BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You're listening to Spurs Cast, episode 602. My name is Paul Garcia, and I'm your host here on the Spurs Cast. Today, I'll be joined by Project Spurs writer Benjamin Bornstein. In this episode, Ben and I will discuss the Spurs in their last two games since returning from All-Star break, the team mutually agreeing to part ways with LaMarcus Aldridge, and the Spurs' dominant play against the Eastern Conference this season. Let's go ahead and jump right into this episode. Ben, how are you doing? I am great, sir. How are you? I'm doing well. You know, you and I, I just want to make sure we, we put a timestamp here. You and I are recording this on a Saturday morning. So, so again, it's Saturday morning that we're pulling all this data and the state of the Spurs. So let's first uh, uh, discuss, Ben, the state, the state of the Spurs and how, how they're performing. You know, they've only played two games since returning from All-Star break uh, this past week. So um, Wednesday, they returned uh, what they lost by 11 to the Dallas Mavericks. It was pretty close for the first three quarters. Then in the fourth, uh, the Spurs kind of just went cold there on offense. They couldn't, they couldn't get a bucket to fall. Uh, and Dallas ended up um, also, you know, wreaking havoc on the boards. Uh, uh, Chris Dallas Porzingis was a big issue for the Spurs there on defense. And Dallas uh, secured 13 offensive rebounds. So Dallas ended up with the 11-point win on Wednesday. Then on Friday, uh, the Spurs had a dominant win against the, the, the Orlando Magic. Actually, it's the Spurs' best win of the season in terms of, mar- of point margin, which we just talked about that a few weeks ago on the Spurs cast when they beat the Knicks by that by 26 points recently. Anyway, uh, so some background on this game. Um, there was no no DeMar DeRozan for this game. Uh, he was out attending the funeral for his, for his father who passed away uh, recently. Uh, so the Spurs were without DeMar, uh, DeMar, but the Orlando Magic were actually um, you know missing a bunch of players as well. They were missing eight players total. Uh, the Spurs were favored by seven, 
and the Spurs had two of their best defensive quarters of the season where they held the, the Magic to 10 points in the second quarter, which is actually the best defensive quarter overall this season. And then also in the fourth quarter, they held the Magic to 13 points. Uh, and, and like I said, they, they led by as many as 29. I know that in the first quarter, the Spurs kind of stalled out early on, but then they pretty much dominated the rest of the game. So um, overall, the Spurs are 19 and 15, um, seventh out West and 20th on offense and now ninth on defense after this monster performance against Orlando. And actually, when you take out garbage time, uh, according to cleaning the glass, the Spurs are actually the fourth best defense in the league. So um, what do you want to say about their return since All-Star break and what you've seen? So obviously the game last night, game Friday night, was one they absolutely should have won. And frankly, I think giving them seven points wasn't enough and obviously it turned out to be that way. But, you know, Orlando missing eight players. It doesn't matter who else San Antonio was missing that night. They, they should have mollywhopped them just like they did. So they, they did exactly what they were supposed to do. The Mavericks have been playing much better the last few weeks, so it's understandable to lose that game. The, the Spurs will have to do better than hover around 500 the rest of the season if they want to get into the playoffs, I think. Or I should, re- I should rephrase, if they want to be a top eight seed because mm-hmm. the 9 and 10s are getting playing games. So if they, if they want to be a top eight seed in the playoffs, they have to be better than – 500 the rest of the season i think and i know you and i are going to talk about this a little later in the podcast but they have a favorable schedule for that coming up despite the back-to-backs that they're going to have to endure so i think with the spurs when demar Derozan comes back whenever he decides to do that uh, i think they're going to end up being a much better offensive team because that will not force patty mills to be a true point guard at times when the offense tends to stall when Patty Mills is the guy you're relying on to make plays for your team. And obviously you can't play DeJounte Murray every single minute of every single game. So they have to, they have to either find someone else to do it or they need DeMar DeRozan back. And I think with Derek white returning, getting his legs under him, I think he will end up being that guy as well. So they should be fine. Uh, they, they just have to make sure that they try to avoid those droughts in games where, the, the the ball doesn't move as well as it should. It sticks. It, the you, you get guys caught with the ball who shouldn't be trying to create shots or who shouldn't be trying to create plays for other people. But I think that problem is going to be solved now that the COVID issues are past this team, and they're they're going to have to they're going to need everybody on that bench too because they're because of all the back to backs they're playing. There's going to be you know load restrictions load management, whatever you want to call it, there's going to be plenty of that down the stretch of this second half of the season. Yeah, and two points I want to make there, uh, kind of piggybacking off what you just said there, was, uh, you know, it was good to see that, um, you know, Rudy Gay, uh, Devin Vassell, and Derek White all, all played well in this game, considering that these are the three players uh, that, that are returning from their, co- you know, having COVID just a few weeks ago. Uh, and especially Derek, because, you know, he did have like a, it took him a little bit of time. He even talked about it, you know, getting his legs back under him and just kind of getting that feel for the game back after playing against um, Dallas recently. And then Rudy Gay said the same thing. Uh, Pop said that, uh, that, his, that his legs kind of disappeared in the second half against the Mavericks there. And again, it's understandable. They hadn't played in over pretty much almost two weeks of basketball 
ball. And then Devin just comes right out and makes two threes so quickly in the third quarter against Orlando. So again, that's a good sign. Uh, again, if, if they're starting to get back to, to full health, uh, those players that, that were out due to COVID. And obviously we don't know exactly when DeMar's coming back. He could come back against Philly or it could be even later. It just depends because of, you know, even though he doesn't, he, he's, he's out for, for personal family reasons, but you know, it takes a while because the, the protocols to get back into, to, to a lineup. So, so again, we'll kind of monitor Absolutely. when DeMar returns. And then uh, there was another point I was going to make, but I forgot, I completely forgot what it was. It was something well, you said. Was, but, so anyway. to, to piggyback off a little bit of that, it, it was nice to see Devin Vassell and Trey Jones and even Lucas Shamanich got some time because the, the margin was so wide. You know, they, they got some good run in last night. So I think if, if Popovich, if Coach Pop can find time for them in other games like that, whether it's, you know, if it's a blowout one way or another, I, I think that'll be good opportunities for them. And I, I think Trey Jones got screwed a little bit because I, I don't see him getting a whole lot more time, even with load management coming up. They, they really brought him up because he had, uh, because they had those COVID issues and mm-hmm. he was available. So I, it, it stinks because there's no more G league season. It's over. Yeah. And there's really nowhere else for him to go. So hopefully he can learn some things on the bench, absorb there and be able to use it next year. And of course, depending on the guard situation and depending on what happens in free agency, hopefully he can carve out a role and find some minutes. Yeah, that, that was actually the second point. It was it was actually what you just said there. So uh, it was the depth now. Like those games that, you know, that the players had to step up, you know, Keita Bates' job, Trey Jones, Lucas Simonich, um, uh, who's the other guy? Trey Lyles. All those, you know, that a lot, some of those guys play were playing 15 minutes a night for like four or five games here. And so now all of a sudden you see that when Demar's out, uh, Trey Lyles can easily step in and you know, uh, you know, start start for for Pop and give him you know 20 minutes if he needs to. Uh, when the Spurs are up by like you mentioned 20 plus points, they can they, they Pop can securely feel that he can put in some of those those end of, end of the bench players and they can hold that lead for those last four minutes. Because remember that few weeks ago when they played Atlanta where they almost like they gave up like I, I, I remember they were up by 42 in that game but they barely won by like 11 overall because of the, the bench unit oh, yes, that string brutal yeah so like that's the thing is like you know if it's a back-to-back and they need to rest players something uh or or if they have a good comfortable margin pop can can put those players in the last four or five minutes of a game to, to make sure that the starters and the and the and the the, 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 the top nine basically uh, don't have to use all their legs and all and the, the, for the full 40 minutes of these games um yes yeah, so, so again those are some points that, that we both uh, spoke about there all right ben let's go ahead and move on to the second um uh, P, uh news here um you know, this is some some kind of breaking news. It was very awkward on on Wednesday. What happened was, uh, you know, right before we were, we were waiting for Coach Pop online on, on on the Zoom call, and then before he comes in, the Spurs announced that Lamarcus Aldridge would be out, and they just said, um, you know, he's not. And the reason why was he didn't have an injury; he was just not with the team. And we we're like, huh? That, it was like minutes before Pop came on. Then, of course, we asked Pop about that, and he did say that, you know. You know, because of, you know, the situations the Spurs are in where, where uh, you know, they're ready to mutually. They and LaMarcus agreed that they were going to mutually agree to part ways. Now, Pop didn't define what part, what, what mutually, what, what that means, whether it's trade or, or, or buyout. But, you know, those are the only two options the Spurs have in terms of, uh, of moving on from Aldridge. So then right after Pop's interview, and, and we basically knew that, that, that the Spurs and Aldridge are, are moving on, uh, Woj, of course, broke some news where he says that the Spurs are working on trades on several fronts. Uh, he said that a trade could be found within the week. So maybe it comes before Wednesday. 
Wednesday this week, if, if that's if that's going to hold. And then he also said at the moment, there's no movement toward a buyout. But we know that if they can't get a trade done within the within these next 12 days, which the deadline is on the 25th of March, then they would have to seek a buyout. Now, there hasn't been any any reputable um, sourcing here. You know, uh, there's a lot of teams coming out if, if Aldridge gets bought, bought out, you know, teams like Portland, like the Lakers, um, et cetera. There's different names, Phillies out there as well. But as far as teams that, that are looking to trade for him, the only reputable source I found so far, again, that you and I were recording this on Saturday morning, is uh, Barry Jackson of the Miami Herald reported that the Heat have um, expressed interest in Aldridge. But actually, because of the difficulty in a trade for Aldridge at the moment, um, uh, right now they actually have more interest in Rudy Gay. So again, there hasn't been a lot of uh, uh, reporting on, on who's exactly interested in Aldridge in terms of trades. Uh, I, I, so some of the big challenges, though, of moving him, um, you know, is that he, he his salary is twenty four million dollars. So that's pretty tough to, to move a player. Twenty four million dollars who was coming off the bench, who wasn't even playing well with his own team, uh, was a liability on defense is what we saw there. Uh, so, so, so some other complications, why, why it's hard to move Aldridge is because they only have one extra roster spot to Spurs right now. They're at 14 guaranteed contracts. And then they have, of course, the two G League players. But the, the difficulty means that if you're if you're if you're putting a trade together for Aldridge, then you and let's say you're sending Lamarcus somewhere where well, then you can only bring back two players at minimum if you bring back more than two players uh then you have to either waive someone uh, probably drew eubanks because he's uh you know he's he's making the least amount of money on this team in terms of uh the, the long-term players and uh that's difficult because eubanks is actually playing very well for them when he gives them their when, when he gives them minutes or you have to get a third team involved to try to move it, uh, one of those extra players coming to the spurs uh to that third team uh, and, and the reason why that's difficult is because if most teams are above the salary cap at this moment and in order to create any kind of trade for lamarcus if you're over the salary cap you have to at least build 19 million dollars in salary and that's tough because that usually takes about three players to do that some teams ha- can do it with two players but most teams it takes at least three players to build a package of 19 million dollars uh, for Aldridge. now um uh, since uh, since I mentioned the Heat, uh, Bobby Marks, you know, uh, made, made a video where he uh, he, he recently, uh, you know, just talked about all the complications with this. And one package he put together, which is obviously very difficult, is maybe a player like Kelly Olynyk, um, Avery Bradley, and Maurice Harkless for Aldridge. This is three a three for one swap. This is tough because then. Um, you know, the Spurs would either have to waive a player to, to bring in those three players or they'd have to um, trade someone uh, to, to make this happen or, or get a third team involved. Um, so let's first focus on this heat rumor and just kind of your, your thoughts on this whole Aldridge situation. And then we'll continue talking about some other teams. Aldridge is tough, especially because of that salary you mentioned. It's such a large number for one player. It's the last year of his deal. People Nobody's going to want to really rent that salary for half a year and and then figure out what they're going to do with them. Because they're, if you trade for him, that means you wanted him, and he's probably going to ask for a little more money than if he was just on the free agent market. And he's he's worth maybe half of his current salary right now per year. Uh, like you said, he, he is not a good defender at this stage in his career. He should not be asked to be the first or second option on a team unless it's your first option on a bench squad, in which case he might thrive. And I think he would be really great because he's feasting on other people's bench bench guys. And he's kind of in between being a starter and being a second unit person. So you, you really have to consider, I think teams that are considering trading for him really have to think about is it worth it for us this season? Does it, is he the piece that's going to put us over? You know, if, if we're really competing for a championship this year, it maybe it makes sense, but if you're not competing for a championship, it doesn't really make sense for your team. And frankly, that's a lot of teams. There's maybe 
three or four legitimate contenders this year. And some of them don't have the space to do that, or they don't, you know, they're not going to want to match the salary so that they can clear the space for them because then they're giving up pieces they like. So you've, you've really run into a problem here. And, and the more that I've looked at it and the more that I've thought about it, I'm starting to think that this is going to end up being a buyout between the Spurs and LaMarcus Aldridge. And then he gets picked up by whoever in for the rest of the season. And then the, the Spurs just have the salary come off their books this summer, like they would have anyway. And they've now cleared all that cap space for the summer. I think it's 48 million. They're going to, they're supposed to have, they're projected to have. Mm-hmm. So if you're the Spurs, you don't really want to buy out because you'd like to get something in return for Aldridge, really, no matter even what it is. Because frankly, getting his salary off your books is is the favor that a team is doing you rather than really receiving any sort of asset in return, whether it's a pick or players. Although if the Spurs can squeeze out a couple of picks, maybe a future first on a non-lottery team or a couple of second rounders from a team and that and they get rid of the salary that's probably a win yeah so like that's that's the that's a tough thing you kind of just brought up is like how do the other teams evaluate him because i i feel like there there might be some teams that are desperate to get in like teams that have been out of the playoffs for multiple years i feel like they might be de- just desperate to get a player where they maybe they think they can give alders an expanded role keep him as a starter and and we see that he just doesn't work out as a third or fourth option on offense these days i know i know he's expanded his game out to the three-point line i know he still does the pick and pop uh mid-ranger but like in terms of like if you make him your first or second option we see that you know he just wants to post up and a lot of those are just those turnaround over the over the shoulder type of shots he doesn't really get to the free throw line these days he doesn't really score a lot in the paint his his his, his number of, of, of paint shots are, are very low and so that's 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 one part is like how, how do these teams evaluate him I, I agree with you that if, if it's a team who's, who's trying to chase a championship well then they're going to tell him right immediately you know you're probably going to come off the bench and that's going to be it you're going to be you're only going to be allowed to score against second units you know because you know these teams don't want to lose anything on defense if they're already you know trying to compete for a championship we they know that any team that's getting altered they know that you know he's really just slipped defensively and that's the that's one of the key reasons why the Spurs have, have decided to move on from him because Jakob Pertl is just so much better even even Drew Eubanks uh as, as well as an option there so I think that's the big question I think that if he does get moved it's going to be to a team that is actually really desperate to, to at least just get into the playoffs if they think that hey we can make LaMarcus our, our first I mean our, our second or third option here uh keep him as a starter you know kind of what he was comfortable doing then maybe that that's that team there's a team out there now uh, as far as, you know, I know that the $24 million is really difficult to move because of all the things we talked about, but there are some teams out there, you know, who, who can kind of make it fit, uh, make him fit pretty quickly. And those are, uh, so, so one team to mention is Boston. I know that right now it doesn't look like they have any interest in him just because, you know, they have multiple bigs already. They have Tristan Thompson, they have Robert Williams. They have, uh, uh, I forgot there was one other player they have. Oh, Tice. Daniel Daniel Tice, Tice. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of those players, you know, defensively just fit so much better than Aldridge. And, and, and so the Celtics, the reason why I mentioned them is because they do have this $28.5 million um, trade exception, which means that they could basically um, trade for Aldridge and fit him into that exception. Now, what that would do for Boston is two issues. They would put them in the tax, which do they want to pay that just for, you know, an Aldridge, uh, I mean, a player, uh, Aldridge, a player who, who like I, we just mentioned all the issues that he's going to bring for them. And then two is, um, you know, they'd also have to, to, to waive two players because they are 
hard cap. So like they can't quite just make it so easy as, oh, let's just trade for LaMarcus. They actually have to waive two players. Then another team to keep in mind is the Thunder. They they have a, a big trade exception as well, 27.5 million, I believe. Wow. And and again, that can just fit LaMarcus in you know, quickly at his 24 million. Uh, but then OKC in that in that terms is, is OKC desperate to try to chase a, a playoff spot so then maybe they make Aldridge one of their, their core pieces starting like alongside you know SGA and Lou Dort? Or are they just doing this to try to get an asset from the Spurs where they're telling the Spurs, hey, we'll take LaMarcus. Yeah, we can we can trade for him, but we want like a second round pick or something. You know, we want some sort of future asset. And so right, again, we're doing it right. Again, we're doing you a favor by exactly. taking him off your hands. Give us something else. So yes. Yeah, so, so like then all of a sudden, okay, well then why would the Spurs do that? Might as well just buy him out and then you know right. they keep their cap space, and, they keep their picks in the future. Go ahead. And the other thing with OKC is they just traded away Hamadou Diallo. So how 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 much are they really willing to buy? They're are they going to really be buyers at the trade deadline right now? Yeah. So no, no, that's that's a good point, and and that and the reason why too, what the Diallo was that the story was that they 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 want to just move they want to move uh, Lou Dort into giving him a more expanded role, you know, and he's part of their future, whereas Diallo wasn't, and he's going to be a restricted free agent. So yeah, again, the Thunder can make this happen, but uh, from what it looks like, if the Thunder aren't desperate to get into playoffs, which they're not because they're in rebuilding mode right now, well then they would pretty much want to get something from San Antonio and asset just to move on, and so I don't think the Spurs would do that. And then of course, like I mentioned, there's some teams you can talk. Like I had like I was building like a Bulls trade. You can talk yourself into to some ter- t- teams that are kind of that haven't been in the playoffs in multiple years that are going to probably be desperate to try to get in there so maybe i think it's one of those teams that that you can you can try to build some different packages around teams that are over the cap that are just trying to get into the playoffs but again it, it's really it's really tough again we'll, we'll see what happens um you know march 25th is that deadline uh and like ben says you know how much do the spurs want to bring in extra money for multiple years on a player because you know they could have 48 million dollars in cap space if they just you know let, uh, buy out Aldridge's deal for the for the remainder of this year uh coming up here on a on past March 25th, if he's still on the team. So again, we'll kind of see what happens. He'll, he'll either get traded in these next, um, in these next 12 days, or he'll, he'll, he'll get bought out by the Spurs after that. And then he, of course he can sign with uh, any team that, that, that has interest in him. And of course um, the, the biggest thing with Aldridge's salary coming off, you know, coming off the books is what you also have to consider is DeMar DeRozan is coming off the books. Mm-hmm. And that's really what's that's also what's freeing up so much space for the Spurs this offseason. So even if DeMar DeRozan doesn't come back on a new deal, which I would imagine would be still a cheaper deal, mm-hmm. you know, you still have a little bit of room to work with. The Spurs will have enough money to go out and sign a max guy if they can lure him to San Antonio. And low key, I, I read this, I can't remember who it was, but I was reading it and I was nodding my head in agreement, thinking, yes, that this does make a lot of sense, that the LaMarcus Aldridge signing, when he came to San Antonio, really kind of opened up some doors for them saying, yeah, free agents do want to come here. Mm -hmm. This is a desirable place to be. And right now, we're trying to do LaMarcus Aldridge a solid right now. You know, we're trying to do him a favor. We will work with you. We don't have any problems. The whole Kawhi thing, that wasn't us. And And it's become a more abundantly clear that that was not the Spurs. That was mm-hmm. Kawhi Leonard and his camp. So I I think free agents should they got to be paying attention to these things, and hopefully they are. Hopefully they're receiving a message, and 
hopefully they sign with the Spurs. Yeah. And, you know, just kind of what you just said there, uh, you know, as far as buyouts that, that Spurs are not, you know, they, they've done this before. You know, they, they've helped out players. You know, Pau Gasol is a name that comes to mind where he was, you know, having a reduced role. He wasn't playing much in that final year at San Antonio. So they agreed to make it uh, have a buyout with him. So they bought out his contract so he could go sign with elsewhere. Uh, same thing with uh, Damari Carroll last year with the Spurs, you know, bought out his contract because he wasn't getting any playing time. Again, they're they're doing those veteran players a solid by, you know, working with them and, and trying to initiate a buyout if they have to. Of course, they're going to first explore the trade market, which is what they're doing here for for otters so again we'll kind of see what happens i feel like if he does get moved in these next 12 days it's to a team that's desperate and feels like they can give him an expanded role and he can be the difference to getting them back in the playoff picture if uh, he doesn't get moved well then we we know why and, and of course you know then, then we look at the, at the buyout option so again we'll kind of keep an eye on what happens with, with, with aldridge we'll continue to, to monitor that on project spurs and continue to write any kind of rumors or things that we hear uh over on the site and, and discuss that all right ben um our, our last topic here uh, let's talk about the spurs versus the east now um you know after this like we, we mentioned earlier at the start at the start of this podcast and the Spurs really dominate against the Magic and that's kind of been a theme uh, so far in these eight games against the East so so overall right now the Spurs are seven and one against the East again just uh, seven and one only one loss those eight games uh, they've led by double digits in six of these eight games versus the East and they've led by 20 in four of the eight games now here, here's here's a here's a way to look at that so far the Spurs have six 20 point leads this season four of them have come against the East so you just see here that they're dominating the East uh, their wins versus top eight East teams which I couldn't believe some of these teams are in the top eight, but they are as of <laughs> Saturday morning that you and I are recording. So they have wins right now against the Celtics, the Knicks, which they beat by 26, the Hornets, who they led by 13, the Hawks, which they led by 42. And then, of course, the only loss was to the Nets. But before we started recording, Ben, you mentioned that, that the one loss to the Nets was in overtime. You got to remember, it wasn't an easy right. win for the Nets there. The Spurs pushed back and, and they forced them to overtime to get that one win. So, again, that's the record. Uh, those are the, some of the wins against the top eight East teams. Then against the bottom seven East teams, um, the Spurs have defeated the Toronto Raptors, the, the Washington Wizards by 20 plus points, uh, the Magic we mentioned, we just mentioned by 27. Uh, and so they haven't played some of the top, uh, some of the other top East teams like, like the Sixers, who they will play on Sunday, but Joel Embiid will be out because he just, um, you know, he has a, a, a new right. injury for about two to three weeks. Uh, they have one more game, of course, against the Nets, and then they have to play the Bucks twice. And then, of course, the Miami Heat twice. And so, so one thing to, to think about is I, I know that, you know, all the talks have been about, you know, this second half of the schedule is going to be brutal, 40 games in 68 days, um, 11 back-to-backs, all, all these things. However, even the strength of schedule of the opponents, however, when you actually look at how, how well the Spurs are playing against the East, you note that they have 22 of their final 38 games are actually against the East. So more Eastern Conference games than Western Conference games. And so what does that mean? Let's just say that right now the Spurs went at their, they, they went at their pace of um, 19 and 15. And, and so that, that would project to a 40 win record. However, if they continue to dominate the East, like they've been doing, they can end up with 45 wins if they just take care of business against the East. So, so what do you make about that? The fact that their second half of the schedule is very favorable considering they're playing a lot of these East teams. Yes, I think so. Obviously, the COVID pause kind of hurt them as far as having these number of back-to-back games. But the one good thing is they have a ton of lower-tier East teams they get to play. Obviously, like you mentioned, 7-1 and one against them already this season with the one loss being an overtime loss to a very good team. I, I think it bodes well, and I, I'm thinking and I'm hoping that those those games against the East teams maybe give them a little bit of confidence going into games against West teams. I, I haven't looked at the schedule that far out, so I don't mm-hmm. know, you know, exactly. Oh, are they playing three East teams in a row and then a West team? And, you know, I haven't looked at all, any of that kind of stuff. But if you can play with that much confidence 
and you can play that well against East teams, hopefully those are kind of fluff games where they make you feel better about yourself and you say, okay, we can go in and we can beat, you know, the Suns or we can go in and beat the Jazz, you know, next time we play them, whoever it is. And I, I think that's the one part where the NBA didn't hurt the Spurs as much in the scheduling. They kind of said, all right, we, we know we're going to have to give you a ton of back-to-backs. Maybe let's try and make it a little easier on you and give you some of these weaker teams, which I don't know if the NBA can actually say that and do that. I don't know if it's completely randomized or, you know, with the conditions that you're, you're, you know, you have to play Western conference teams X amount of times and you have to play teams in your division X amount of times. You know, those numbers are probably different this year because there's 10 less games, but I think that this, that part of the scheduling was favorable for the Spurs. And I hope, I hope they take advantage because that would, that would probably get them up to, if, if you're talking about 45 wins in a 72 game season, you're probably talking about a five or six seed. I would bet. Yeah, for, no, for sure. Again, that's it. That, that's it. That whole, but holds. Um, and, and something that it just takes me back to is just kind of the, those traditional um, uh, coach pop team trademarks. Um, you know, one is getting back to a top 10 defense, which they've done this season so far. And then two is, you know, all those years when they, you know, Tim Duncan, Tony Parker, Monogen, all those, all those traditional coach pop um, led teams, they always dominate against the East. And so this is something that if this holds again, it's only been eight games so far, but if this holds and they end up having a very good record this year against the East, well, then again, it shows what that's just one of those tra- old, old Spurs trademarks that they're just continuing to, 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 to that's one of their advantages going into a schedule is just having that 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 you know that that those dominating performances against the east so again if they continue to take care of business like they've been doing against the east they're gonna they're gonna end up with a pretty good record here uh if this holds and again this helps them out of the fact that the, yes the schedule is grueling with the amount of games and and the, and no consecutive off days but i mean it could help them in the fact that that with these teams that they are playing and how they've been playing so far against the east uh and, and they still got to play some of some of the bad teams out there in the east like the Cavs and, and some, some other teams out there as, as well so so again we'll kind of see what what's going what's going to happen with, with these next uh eight games and i believe they have like three or four in a row against the east coming up and again they're going to play philly on sunday uh but no joel Embiid for that game uh, due to due to a recent injury all right so before we wrap up uh, don't forget to pro- visit projectspurs.com um steven anderson's continuing to to provide analysis after each game uh ben you're continuing to, uh, to get ready for the draft here with your spurs prospect watch pieces um your latest one is on De- uh dayron sharp uh of, of unc i believe um can you give uh, the spurs cast sisters some background on him absolutely Rough and tumble, big man, not afraid to mix it up. Uh, plays for UNC, which is always one of the best rebounding teams in the country. I, I when when I was writing that, uh, when I was writing him up, I believe they were a top five defensive rebounding team, and I want to say like a top twenty five offensive rebounding team, and and they have four legitimate bigs, and I think he happens to be the best of them all. He, he he goes after every every rebound. He's a monster on that end. He can bully people. He has an NBA-ready body. He doesn't have to put on any weight. Uh, he, he's not a guy who can guard, go out and guard on the perimeter at all. He's very, very much strictly a five. But he's got a, he's got a little bit of post moves. He's got, you know, he's, he's just got a nice, um, I, I like watching him because I like, I like it when they just, when UNC comes out and they just try and punch people in the mouth and they usually do it with him and whoever, whatever big he's playing next to. So he's a guy who can clean up the boards. And I, I know that the Spurs really need someone who can do that. So that's one of the reasons I, I wanted to write him up. And because that's what the people want. So says my polls. 
<laughs> okay, so yeah, I was going to ask you this because uh, I haven't had you on in a while in the Spurs cast, but uh, with with Luca Simonich's um, emergence the other uh, you know last few few weeks, um, you know after the G League bubble, and, and we know that the Spurs definitely want to make him a part of their future, and especially if, if they don't re-sign Rudy Gay in the offseason or they trade Rudy Gay this season, uh, how much is that figuring into, into you? The fact that uh, in terms of the draft prospects you're looking at, the fact that Simonich could have an expanded role going into the future here next year. I'm counting on him having an expanded role, and I still think the Spurs need a big man, preferably one who has some offense. I mean, I know Samanich is going to provide that, but Jakob Pertl is only going to survive so long as a defensive specialist. If if you're not Rudy Gobert, you don't really get to survive as a defensive specialist in this league for ter- too terribly long. I mean, Rudy Gobert is 7'2", and he has arms for days. So, you know, if you're if you're not that size, you're going to have a hard time just playing defense. So I'm kind of looking at guys who could possibly expand their offensive game. Uh, a guy that comes to mind is Isaiah Jackson from Kentucky. He's He's been hitting the mid-range more, and he probably has the potential to move to hit shots from outside as well. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's an athletic freak as well, but he's got to put weight on. Um, you know, and, and, and some of them, it kind of depends, you know, um, Again, it depends on what the what the Spurs do this offseason because if they if they go out and they attract a free agent who's a big man, then you know kind of all of this has you know a lot of these guys don't make sense for them. But I'm also looking at wings, of course, because I just think that the Spurs have a ton of guards right now, and they kind of have some guards playing a little out of position. So I think if they can get a true wing guy who can make a difference for them, like a you know a real driver slasher he can shoot it i think that's a guy that they should really be looking at and i've you know i've I've written up a few of those guys as well i'd have to go back and look but mm-hmm. uh, initially when i was writing and it was looking like the spurs might be a lottery team at one point you know i, I wrote some stuff up on kate cunningham and uh, jonathan kaminga who is who played in the g league and looked fantastic he's going to be a top five pick um uh, um so you you know there's there's a lot of opportunities in this draft. There's the the top five this year are much better than the top five last year. Mm-hmm. But I also think the draft as a whole is going to be deeper, and there's going to be better guys throughout the draft this year. And there are going to be some guys who maybe didn't have a great year this year because mm-hmm. of COVID stuff. Uh, a few guys who come to mind to me are BJ Boston at Kentucky because. He's a freshman. Cal Perry usually has a whole summer to work with these guys. Didn't get that this year. And that entire team has looked like a bunch of guys who have never played together. Oh, wow. And they started to kind of get it near the end of the year, but he's a guy who really struggled shooting, but that's what he was known for in high school. And you can go back and you can look at his highlights and his tape and see that he is a good shooter. It just never clicked for him this year. So He's going to be a guy who drops into the 20s, possibly, unless he just absolutely shows out in combine workouts. But, you know, there are some sneaky, good guys who were top 10, you know, lottery projected guys who might fall to the Spurs now. Oh, okay. So that's interesting to watch. Uh, interesting to watch. And like you mentioned, you know, they're about looking for a wing in, in the event that DeMar, you know, event, ends up leaving as well in free agency because he, he is an unrestricted free agent. Uh, so, so again, those are some, some things to keep an eye on, especially as the draft, you know, approaches now. 
uh, with the with the passing days. And then also uh, make sure you visit projectspurs.com because like I mentioned earlier, we'll, we'll continue to, uh, with the trade deadline coming up, not just LaMarcus, but multiple players' names could be in, in trade rumors. So, so we'll continue to track that and, and write about the, those rumors that come up. Um, all right, thanks thanks again to Ben for joining me here on the Spurs cast and also to Michael DeLeon for mixing and producing this episode. From all of us at Project Spurs, stay safe and have a great day.